Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. This guest that I have today is um, kind of special for me because he's one of the first makers I ever followed on YouTube. Um, I've enjoyed his work for a long time. We're kind of almost, maybe sort of almost neighbors. And the stuff he makes is inspirational, to say the least. And he's one of the few people who I've had on the show so far who's a fellow podcaster. So we're going to talk about that also. Welcome, Keith Decent. Hi, buddy. How you doing? Hi. Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you because I feel like I feel like I've known you forever, but we've never actually spoken. I think the the closest we came was Maker Fair. We had a quick handshake, and because I didn't want to interrupt your conversation. Oh yeah, that that's that was just with Kyle, so you can interrupt away. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, I think you were actually the first person to actually ever come up to me who I didn't I didn't already know beforehand and, and <laughs> give me a handshake and say hi. I was it like, was, oh okay. That it, it, it was funny because I I. I, I was standing, I was literally standing right there, and I'm like, I, I looked at my wife and I said, I think that's Keith Decent. I was, wearing a shirt, sure. I was wearing yeah. a shirt with my own name on it. A- and then you turned around, and I saw the shirt, and I'm like, oh shit, it is Keith Decent. That's why so, I wear the shirt. <laughs> it's not a, I'll tell you what, it's not a bad idea, especially at some place like that, where there's like 40 million people there. Yeah, and I'm not pre- in- incredibly well-known or anything like that. I, I get a lot of like sideways glances, like, is that the guy? Because I don't show my face very often. Ever. Really? <laughs> yeah, pretty much ever. I don't like selfies, so. It's it's weird because I feel like I know your face because I've also been following you on Instagram forever. Mm-hmm. So, like, every once in a while we get a flash of your face and it's like, like oh. One, like once a year. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So, um, I, it's hard to figure out where to start. I, what, uh, I'll tell you what. Let's start with this. One of my favorite things about you and one of my favorite things about the stuff you do is you take materials that – to put it lightly, would just be thrown away. I mean, that's probably underestimating how beat up some of the stuff you work with is. And you just churn out some incredible, incredible stuff with it. Is that, um, is that just, I don't even know how to, I don't even know what to ask. Is that just something you're into or is it something you, you are you trying to cut costs on materials or do you just like repurposing stuff? Like, where does the drive to make stuff from discarded materials come from for you? Yeah, well, the answer to all three of those questions is yes. Okay. <laughs> um, it's it's a, a nice meeting of um, benefits for me because it is cheap to work with things that people don't want. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is easy to work with something that's already been manufactured in some way, especially when you're manufacturing other things. You know, if it's already a table leg or something, you can kind of use that part. Mm-hmm. as a part instead of having to manufacture it yourself and I just really like it I like giving life to these things that were discarded um, I like reusing things I think it's uh, it's just a good thing to do in general you know? the the dining table the dining table I think is probably as far as reclaimed stuff goes one of my f- favorite projects of yours because there was no way in hell that if you had told me what you were doing beforehand especially with the leather inlay that I would have said that that would work <laughs> it's like it just it didn't even make sense that it would work and it was awesome yeah most most of the times the things only make sense in my head that one luckily i'd already done a version of it in the past um with actually much crappier wood <laughs> but it was still <laughs> entirely reclaimed um i didn't get to do the legs for the original table which really bummed me out the my client my friend who hired me as all first clients in the first couple of years sometimes are mm-hmm. your friends uh she had her own idea, so she ordered legs, so I only had to build a tabletop. But I really wanted to make mid-century legs for it. So when I got the opportunity to build another, um, I kind of got hired to build a nice Instagrammable table because mm-hmm. it was going in a, uh, a realtor's uh, Airbnb upstate. Oh, the, the cabin it went in was just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. They've done <laughs> a really great job. And their emphasis is on decoration and handmade things in very, you know, boutique kind of um, experience and so I got to revisit the design and uh, make it with some nice uh, reclaimed white oak and um, the walnut that I got from that cabinet yeah that and and I do like I do like that uh, that you had that one little error in there with the with putting on the ends of the table and you left it all in there so we can all kind of experience the pain of it going you know no 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 <laughs> Yeah, I, I uh, oh, in the video, yeah, when, <laughs> yeah. Expo- when, when the when the stupid breadboard exploded. Uh huh. Yeah, that was less than fun, but you know, that was one of those. That's the danger. That's the only thing I really don't like about working with reclaimed materials. And right. it's funny because I was thinking about that earlier today. Was just like, 
Yeah, that breadboard was, I had exactly the right length to recreate that breadboard one more time, and that was it. And now, you know, you start sweating as you're doing it, but then when you realize, okay, this is literally the last chance I'm going to get to do this, that's when you really start sweating. I have a cutting board I have to make for a customer, and I've never done a juice groove on a, on a cutting board before. And I'm, I'm, Juice Groove is my funk band name, by the way. No way. Like, no, is that, I just I just like oh. to say <laughs> that's like one of my favorite jokes is just to interrupt people and say dumb shit like that. Whoop, dumb stuff. Sorry. <laughs> um, I have to make this thing, and I am like terrified because I know that it's the last. It's almost the last step. I mean, you basically you make this beautiful piece, and now you got to make a jig, and you have to drop a router into it gently enough that you don't blow it apart. And mm-hmm. the reason it freaks me out is because I did that. My nephew and I made a cutting board for my brother-in-law. Um, last Father's Day, and I'm like, don't worry, I got this, and I took this bull-nosed bit, and I put it way too far down, mm-hmm. I slammed the router down onto the cutting board, the whole thing just went boosh, and I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, at, least, that... at least it didn't grab and start spinning around. Oh my god, that would that would have been, at least it would have been more entertaining than taking <laughs> this kid's hardware, he sanded this thing, I'm not even joking, he sanded it for like an hour and a half, oh, like to no. get the, and I felt miserable, so we actually went, my wife, the next day, being the saint that she is, she went to Woodcraft and bought the kit again. We brought it home. I literally, that night, all that night, I glued it up that night, and all the next morning, I spent two and a half hours getting it back to the spot it was in, and then when he came over Friday, I was like, okay, we got to fix it, and I handed him this, and he goes, what happened? This isn't broken. I was like, yeah, I I bought a new one and redid it for you so you could still give your gift to your dad (laughs) because I felt horrible. So, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that doing those last steps are terrifying, man. (laughs) Yeah. Every time. Every time. It never gets it never, ever, ever gets easier no matter what you're doing. You know, you it's always the stuff that's like, oh, I finished this, but it's not done. Now I have to do something that could basically set me back all the way to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah d- doing that and then not not having the opportunity to redo it either. If I had screwed that up, that table would have had to be, I would have had to go buy some walnut and try to age it to the right color. It would have been a nightmare. I can't even imagine what would have been involved if the second one didn't work. Like, I, how would you have even, I guess you could, what, vinegar and stuff it? Or like... You yeah, wouldn't I, get that look. I don't. No, I would have had to go through my house and see what kind of walnut furniture I'd be willing to part with. I think, <laughs> at that point, <laughs> you start salvaging your own stuff to try. Yeah, to, oh I've got, wow, I've got five or six old dressers and stuff around the house that are definitely walnut. So it would have been. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe I can just put a different top on this or something. So you live, you live in, and I always, I've always said, and I've said it to my wife multiple times. You live in a town. I've told my wife that if I wasn't, we weren't living where we are, I'd want to live there. Um, do you find, because the town you live in is, I would, I'll just call it artsy, because it is. Yeah, it's super um, artsy. It is really artsy. And is that, was that, did you move there because of it? Did it become that while you were there? How long have you even been there? Um, uh, I've been here for, well, how old is my daughter? Almost almost six years now. Okay. Um I moved up here with my wife. We got we ended up getting divorced, and I stayed here because uh, I really, really love it. But when we moved up here, it was because, yeah, we kind of started walking around and realized there was a lot of art and a lot of it's community amazing. investment in art. And just yep. it was very much uh, on the forefront. There's sculptures out on the streets. Mm-hmm. People's homes have, like, there's a guy, one of the first houses we saw has a plate steel, like, plasma cut railing with, like, animals and stuff out of it and like, crazy <laughs> stuff. Not to mention the paint jobs on some of the houses. I mean, it's not your mm-hmm. typical. Not all. They're not all typical. Even though the houses are what from like the 1920s, I would say it depends on which ones. Uh, a lot of Victorians are late 1800s, early 1900s, and they get the, the craziest paint jobs. Yeah. That Victorian era paint job. It's like pink and purple and yellow and green and. I just always feel like when I walk around up there that I'm in the middle of like art central of like yeah. the Hudson Valley. It's just an amazing place. So you fit right in. I mean, it's. So it's far. gotta be yeah, it, it, so far yeah. so good. It's uh, exactly. it's getting it's getting a little more uh, a little more hip around here, and it's getting a little harder to scratch by. But you know, yeah, it's hard to it's hard it's hard to move up there on weekends. That's for oh damn yeah sure. yeah. I can't make a left out of my street. <laughs> on weekends. Oh wow! I just go around the block to to the stoplight. Well, I know that like so we've been to be- the Beacon Flea a few times, and it's you know going up Main Street uh, to get from 
the the end of Main Street down by the Beacon Square Cafe to go all the way up to the, where the flea market is, it could take like a half hour sometimes. Oh, just yeah. in that slow crawl up the, up the street. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, everyone in town pretty much just, it's an unspoken thing. We just don't go on Main Street. We take the back <laughs> roads, and we don't tell anybody about the back roads. Yeah, I've, I've actually been able, because I've been up there enough times, I can find my way around. It, I do get a little bit turned around, but I kind of know the back streets enough yeah, to stay you will tell. Next, next time you're up, I, I'll tell you exactly which way to go. Drop it right <laughs> at the flea without running into a, a single soul. <laughs> that's, that's ideal. If I can get my donuts and get to the flea, I'm good. Like <laughs> that, go, yeah. that's all I need. I need my donuts and my flea market. Mm-hmm. So good, good your donuts. podcast, your podcast. Yep. Um, so every most people know you as a YouTuber because you've been a YouTuber for a while. Yeah, but, I don't know. I mean, when you say most people, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I say Keith Decent, they associate you with your YouTube channel. Yeah, it's usually Instagram or YouTube, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but your podcast came out of nowhere. And honestly, it's one of the best produced podcasts ever. I mean, you you do an amazing job producing it. You have, it has that mm-hmm. NPR-ish vibe to it. Um, it's really well produced. And one thing I've been dying to ask you about is where in God's name do you get the ideas for the stories from? Because you talk about stuff and I'm like, I did not, the first mm-hmm. episode you did was the palette episode. And I'm like, <laughs> there's no way this is going to be interesting, but I like Keith, so I'm going to listen to it. And I was like riveted. And I'm like, how is this interesting? And like today, the one from the most recent one is different engineered materials. And it's like, I can't believe how interesting you make stuff that, well, I mean, honestly, just sounds dry. The podcast is amazing. Where do you uh, get the ideas, the ideas are all around from? Us. Honestly, it's, it's pretty easy once you have the, uh, the mindset for it, when you, need, when you start needing ideas for something. To come up with like, you know, oh, you just look around <laughs> and you're like, okay, the, the, the theme of the podcast is the story of how we make stuff. That's pretty broad. And what I try to mm-hmm. focus on is the tools that we use to make stuff, the materials we use to make stuff, and, you know, just anything along the way that's been made that has a good story behind it. And uh, that stuff is all around us. It's in the walls right now. It's in my desk. It's in the couch. It's it, like anything I can look at, you can point at and say, well, why, why, is that, why does that exist? And there's always a story. And if there's mm-hmm. not a story, there's, there's a story tangential to it somebody used it for something else or it came from something else and then you can tell the story of that material you know or that tool that they used the the amount of detail in your research is remarkable where do you where do you get your information from like do you just are you just one of those like information vacuum types where you've soaked up enough information where you kind of have a rough uh, no, idea. No, not at all. I don't, I, I, I don't retain stuff like almost <laughs> I used to. I used to be really good. I used to be a sponge. Uh, now I don't retain stuff at all. It's kind of terrible. If you ask me like to re- <laughs> to recall something from an earlier episode, which it's only been just over a year, I might have to like really think hard about what mm-hmm. it was that I read, or go back and like cheat cheat. <laughs> but the um, yeah, wow. it's the research is basically um, not to get too dry on your podcast about it, but uh, it's uh, it starts with a Google search, you know. And I, I don't go for the typical, like, I'm going to read mm-hmm. Wikipedia because I don't want to kind of corrupt my thinking in that way. I don't want the narrative told to me. So I just start going, like, to page four mm-hmm. immediately and see, like, what weird stuff I can I can see that might have happened around the thing I'm thinking about. And then maybe I'll go to Wikipedia after I have mm-hmm. some semblance of, like, how this fits into the world and what make what makes it interesting instead of what, what makes it exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I start building a story from there. Wow. Then I can kind of use the general sources on Wikipedia instead of the article to start digging some more. And then you'd be surprised. One of the biggest things I find is old books online because Google has like the Google Books thing now where they've like scanned and OCR'd like mm-hmm. volumes and volumes of books from like, you know, the, the 1700s to now. And those pop up a lot. Right. Uh, most of the advertisements I find are like Google Book Documents. Um yeah, it's pretty crazy because what you search oh, it wow. and then it comes up and it gives you like the printed page of the book, like the picture of it with the text highlighted, more or less like a search. That's 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 pretty damn cool. So you basically you start out with the search, you use Wikipedia to fill in gaps bef- when you have your kind of your plot line already figured out. This way, you you know you've kind of got everything sorted. Yeah, I don't end up with the plot line so much until I, I mean until pretty much as I'm writing it. Um, but Wikipedia is like a roadmap mm-hmm. because they have that great section at the bottom that has all their sources. 
Do you do do you do a formal script? Oh, no, I, or do I read, you just I read have, a script. Like, I would be able to just. You want I, to there'd be so much umming and hawing. Like if I if I just. Yeah, it would be how I sound <laughs> now. And I just don't want to sit there and cut that all out. Oh, you actually you sound fine. Actually, uh, you know it's it's funny. People don't give themselves enough credit as far as what they're able to do. And you you know, I know I speaking extemporaneously is difficult. It is, um, but doing it doing it with just an outline is kind of one of those things that you just kind of eventually you'll get the hang of it if you go that route. But I wouldn't know. The reason I asked is because I wouldn't know you actually oh, had a script you were reading from because you, you sound – yeah, you, I didn't – That I honestly didn't know. That's why I asked. I was like, wow, is he just doing this from memory or not? Because if you're doing it from memory, that's freaking amazing. And if you're reading it and you don't yeah, sound like I, you're reading it. I try it, to artificially sound natural a lot of the time. Uh, also, I kind of hate the sound of my voice. It's just a thing which, which drives me – honestly, to uh, to get the best recording I can from myself every time. And I've gotten better at it, but, like, in the first few mm-hmm. episodes, I would just do take after take after take after take <laughs> until I got it right. Now I've kind of found my voice a little better in terms of speaking to the just the microphone. Mm-hmm. And uh, it takes less, but it doesn't sound rehearsed because it's so rehearsed, I guess, is what it comes <laughs> down to. So you've made an effort to sound spontaneous. <laughs> yeah. And a lot, a lot of what makes the, the podcast interesting, I think, is um, is the writing. If if anything at all, I'm I'm I focus hard on writing a good story, writing multiple good stories, and getting an actual like literary feel to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that way, no matter what I'm reading, no matter what I'm talking about, uh, it doesn't get too dry. It doesn't get too um, you know too boring. It doesn't stretch too much. No, which is I don't. Why I try to make it as dense as possible, and I try to keep it, try to keep it like a nice story. You know. Well, I mean, even today, like, the, the most recent episode, 2.4, was, fif- like, 15, 16 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I felt like I got a lot out of that 16 minutes. And it, that's another thing that, you know, my first, one of my first episodes here was actually with a friend of mine. And we did an hour and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And my wife said, listen, you're doing a decent job on the podcast. You cannot do an hour and 40-minute podcast. <laughs> yeah. You just cannot do it. And I'm like... Oh crap! You know, I get people on, and we get chatty, and it just happens. But you pack a lot into fifteen, twenty minutes, and then if you're a patron, which of course I'm a patron, um, you get another ten minutes of an after show. Well, let's be, let's be, you get like five minutes of an after show because, <laughs> but, it's, but it's still a quarter of the length of the podcast at its at its at exactly its yeah. Time. I mean, you you you're putting out you're putting out a, a nice amount of content, and you get a lot out of it, which is kind of good. It's not just it doesn't feel like filler, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's been working out. And people really like it. One of the one of the best things I heard early on because I thought maybe I was I was packing too much into it, or I was jumping around too much, and it might be hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Which it kind of is sometimes, but people said they went back and listened again because they felt like they were missing stuff. <laughs> wow! And I was like, you know what? The fact that you wanted to go back and listen yeah, again, yeah. like confirms my fears that I might be going a little too fast or packing too much in, but also that you liked it enough to go back and listen again. That it mattered enough, that it resonated enough to actually want to hear more. That you wanted to learn more and you thought you could learn more with a, with a deeper understanding and a second listen. That was huge to me. You have quite a list of people supporting the podcast, too. Yeah. Was that a surprise to you? I mean, I don't know how many of those people you know, but, I mean, some of them are names like you got – you got Make, Build, Modify. You got you got Josh Price yeah, is on yeah. there. Caleb Harris, Infinite Craftsman. I mean, these are people that, you know, if you're in the makerspace, these are people you know. Did it surprise you how many people jumped on board? Yeah, it surprises me every time. Um, cool. And they, and they to their credit, they genuinely like the podcast. They're not just, I, I know a couple of them, sort of. We have online relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone I know is a great person. Actually, it's really funny. One of my patrons, I'm not going to put names out there because it's not my business too but um i went up to jimmy's uh farm a few weeks ago for mm-hmm. a uh, he was running a class and he lives pretty close to us uh and so i went up there to hang out and see if i could help out with some cooking or something you know just spend my weekend on a farm play with the chickens <laughs> and i ran into somebody who was actually a patron and i didn't even notice and then um she introduced herself and i was like oh I'm Keith Deason. You're you you support my podcast. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And she was super pleasant. It was a really really strange way to meet somebody, but it was really it, she had just started being a patron like the week before That's that. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty, it's cool when you you know I don't think people you know I I've met I've had the privilege and I will say privilege because everyone I've met from this space that has any kind of name recognition 
has been so awesome. I mean, I've met I've met I met Bob from I like to make stuff. Mm. I met Bob. Bob's like a superhero of being awesome. exactly just being a, a great but dude. Bob Bob is the reason I'm a maker. Like bar none, Bob is the reason that I got off my couch, started working, built a shop, and started buying tools and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. he he yeah, is he, the guy. So yeah, he does that for a lot of people. If you told me that Bob was like secretly a superhero i'd be like yeah of course, course he is yeah of course he's bob <laughs> that makes total sense if i was constructing an alter an alter ego i'd make it Bob. <laughs> my 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 best friend i don't even she has no interest whatsoever in making or making stuff she likes the stuff i make i've made a lot of stuff for her and basically she knows who bob is like that's the funniest thing to yeah. me like she's like oh yeah bob you you love bob <laughs> like yeah mm-hmm. of course but yeah, everyone that I've met from the space is just like the nicest people. And I've never been a part of anything online where the real people were this cool. Oh yeah, everyone gets real big on themselves. And it's funny because I think everyone just kind of realizes that outside of our space, nobody cares at all who you just, are. You know, it's, we just had, I literally just had this discussion on the last episode where these people, where we, you and I, we know these people, and we're like, oh, that's a big name. Like, you know, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm not, this is not a humble brag, I promise. A, a, <laughs> it could be a humble brag. Nah, I, don't hum, I don't do that. I outright brag. I'm a total whore, and I have no problem admitting it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Jimmy followed me on Instagram, and I, my heart stopped because it's like, mm-hmm. that's Jimmy DeResta following me on Instagram. Like, holy crap, you know? Yeah, man, he's and he's going to like one of your posts like every six months. It's going to feel good. Every exactly. Time. Um, well, he watched one of my stories and I was like, what? Jimmy's watching my story. <laughs> so I, I messaged I messaged a couple of friends and I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Jimmy DeResta started following me. And one of my friends said, who the hell is Jimmy DeResta? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm thinking I have to recalibrate because I'm like in my world, like that's the godfather, you know, it's Jimmy. Yeah. That's like who's Elvis? Exactly, yeah. So I had to I had to put it in terms my friend would understand. I'm like, okay, it would be the equivalent of having a rap YouTube channel, and all of a sudden Jay Z starts following you, and she goes, yeah. oh, he's that big. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> For, For us, us yeah, yeah exactly. he's our Jay Z. <laughs> yeah, but then I have conversations with family and like my other friends that are outside the community, and it's just like. I have to say things like Adam Savage. Oh, you know, he used to be on Mythbusters, right. that show where they busted myths <laughs> and they're just staring at me. I'm like, geez, how do you not? We really do. You know, it's funny. You, you, we really do live in an isolated world, don't we? Like, Yes and no. It's, it's, in our um, space, it's very isolated. Like, we're, yeah, It's very it, insular. <laughs> there's lots of people who do what we do. And I think it's funny because our kind of island that we built around the certain YouTubers and, and podcasters and Instagrammers that we mm-hmm. follow – there's a lot of these islands, and we're all doing the same thing in different places. Yeah. And there's some overlap, you know, here and there. Like, you know, I met um, – I was at Jimmy's for the welding class hanging out, and I met um, JD Apex-ish mm-hmm. uh, from Instagram. And, like, yeah, why have I never met that guy before? <laughs> oh, because there's, like, 8 billion people who make things online, and we just have a very tight-knit, close group here. Yep, yep. And it's funny how there are little, like – I don't want to say clicks because they're not clicks, but there are certain, like – some groups are – like there are certain groups of makers that you always find together and there's like certain geographical areas where you find people together and it's but everybody is always super cool to each other and it's it's mm-hmm. it blows my mind like when I met when I was at Maker Fair I met so many people and it's like this is just like I can't believe this is really happening I was standing outside the room where um Bob and Angus and Joel gave their talk and I was talking to a guy in line but when my wife and I first, we were like one of the first people to get there. We were at the front of the line almost. And Angus from Maker's Muse just comes over. And he just we just started talking. And we talked to Angus for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I've never met this guy. I literally only know him from his YouTube channel. And we just had a 20-minute conversation where I realized this guy is one of the coolest guys on the planet. And mm-hmm. it's just such a nice, it's such a nice feeling. And I think that's why... The community grows the way it does, where you see new people getting started, and even if they're not making content online as much, they're getting into the space because they're bumping into someone and realizing, hey, these are just regular nice people that I can do this too. Yeah, I think also because we meet up a lot and we get to know each other, and not just everybody going and meeting up like at a maker fair, but like people collaborate a lot and stuff like that, and you start to kind of 
not that there are any jerks. Now I haven't really come across any, but like I've not met any. They, yet. Yeah. It seems like they get filtered out real quick. You know, because mm-hmm. if you can't stand to be around somebody, then you're not going to work <laughs> with them. You're not going to sit there and like you know, like it's they kind of sometimes it happens. Some some people get through and they live in their own world and they can they can. They're expert enough to be as much of a jerk as they want. That's fine. <laughs> but, like, for the most part, the community kind of, like, it governs itself in that way, you know? Yeah, it really does. It really does regulate out the chaff. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. You, you don't – because those are the people you won't hear from because no one's going to share their stuff. No one's going to like their posts on Instagram. Their videos are going to get no views, and they'll never get recommended. And all of a sudden, they just vanish off the face of the earth after a while. Yeah. And like I said before, I think we all know that we're – we have – um, I mean, not that I have fame necessarily, but like, you know, we, we know that we have a certain status for just kind of ridiculous reasons. So it's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I make really cool stuff on YouTube. That's awesome. You're a superstar now. Congratulations. Yeah. What is your, so your background clearly has some kind of um, art influence because a lot of the stuff you make, and I've had this discussion with people a lot of times you know, on the, on and off this podcast about aesthetics versus just practicality. And you've made a couple of things that some of my favorite things that you've made, like the ice cream sandwich chandelier, <laughs> are um, are just aesthetically awesome. They're just that's it. They're just they're not super functional things. They're just really awesome looking things. Where um, where is your background? Like, is it in? Do you have any formal design background, or are you just an artist that makes? cool stuff i am self-taught uh in pretty much everything uh i started wow. out as a kid who just liked to draw stuff because that's mm-hmm. the thing that's what i had access to um you know pen and paper there's always pen and paper especially when you're in school and you're not paying attention there's pen and Tell paper me about right it. there <laughs> and then uh i went to art school uh for college but it was not i had already been doing graphic design as a business uh for a while wow and i wanted to i wanted to learn um painting sculpting you know uh draftsmanship that kind of stuff mm-hmm. And uh, the school was like, yeah, we're going to do that. And then I got there, and they were like, actually, we're in the 21st century, so we're going to make everything different now, and we're going to focus on graphic design. And I knew more than my professors, oh, and it was awkward. So I, I tried – I stayed there for a couple of years and ended up dropping out. Wow. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear someone's got fireworks or cannons. I can hear, but I think it will be fine for the show. <laughs> it's that time of the year up here. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's either fireworks or um, – West Point shooting off its cannons again. <laughs> they they do that sometimes. I don't understand it, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so I I I've been a designer, but I was never I never took design courses. I've been an artist, but I never took I I took a couple painting courses in college, uh, which helped honestly. I think that um I could probably stand to take more, but I think it would ruin for me personally. I think it would ruin a lot of the naivete that I have going into projects. I like to kind of keep myself open and make mistakes that are the right mistakes to make as opposed to make the wrong informed decision. Wow. Well, I mean, that's, that's interesting. So, so co- design school college actually helped you, but you wouldn't necessarily want to formalize what you've done now. Like it would just wouldn't, it wouldn't be right for you. Yeah. I just, I, I like to, I like to learn and the way to learn, um, you know, is to, just, is to not so much get told what to do mm-hmm. and then try to repeat that. It's more along the lines of just to blunder the, your way through it, which I just happen to be good at. I happen to be good at stumbling through things and having it turn out all right in terms of art and design. Well, That's so much the, life. the last project you did, the the sword. It, there were yeah, the big green. There sword. were a that couple was... <laughs> of points in there where it was like, oh, that's gonna go horribly wrong. Oh yeah, no, I screwed that up big time. Um, yeah, don't use cellophane as a mold. <laughs> cellophane tape as a mold for uh, really thick epoxy pores because it's going to melt. You know, tape. it was really funny because I'm not usually – I don't know a lot about – I'm learning about resin because it's really good because I started making jewelry. So I'm starting to learn about how resin works. And when I saw you do that in the video, I'm like, oh, shit, that's not going to work. And, no. and then all of a sudden you showed the next – and it's just melted wads of saran wrap. And I'm like, oh, wow, yep. that really didn't but- work. But in the spirit of accidentally doing the right thing, it made uh, the effect on the blade that I had going right. more. It, I was trying to make the blade look like a gem. Mm-hmm. So to explain the project a little bit, I made a sword that was kind of an epoxy river live edge thing where I had the handle and the hilt were wood and epoxy and the blade was epoxy. And I wanted the blade to kind of look like a gem, like a natural formation. And so I did a good job swirling different pigments and colors together to give it the kind of veiny, like, quartzy look. Mm-hmm. But it was neon green. Uh, and 
actually the tape because it got kind of swallowed up by the epoxy as it um, as it leaked out of the, the temporary <laughs> kind of crappy mold that I made. Uh, when I peeled the tape off, chunks of the epoxy came off as well, and it gave it a really cool faceted yeah. uh, look. It actually which, worked. <laughs> yeah, it, I accidentally did the right thing. You accidentally created a faceted sword blade. And now I know how to do that in the future. I will use it inside of a better mold, but if I want to create that kind of gem look again, I know I can do it by haphazardly using cellophane uh, t- tape, packing tape, basically shiny side up. In different parts, it's it's doing stuff the way you do. You've got to come across that a lot, where you'll do something and it starts out as a mistake and it ends up being like a feature. Like yeah, I mean, a lot. Most of the stuff starts out as a mistake. I think. <laughs> um, God, I love you, man. I, I just, I love, I love that. I, I'm gonna tell you, I love that you don't take yourself uber seriously. Like, I mean, I made a big green sword. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of my job now, you know. And, and then I wrote a podcast about plywood twice. <laughs> so, there's not much to take seriously. Like, we do we do fun stuff, and like, what? Right. I what's my alternative? Like, I could be rotting away somewhere that I really really hate. Um, I scrape by now. I don't make a lot of money. I was even in the epoxy sword video. I was saying like, because people hate it when you make a DIY video and you've been given. The expensive part oh, of the project. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Total Boat, just out of the blue, Total Boat, good company, sent me epoxy. They sent it to, like, 40 other people as well. Right. It wasn't just me. Probably more than 40. I didn't see all the videos. I wonder if the word obscene was used at any point to describe the amount of epoxy that you used to make the sword. It was a gallon. It wasn't so bad, but it was a lot. It's still have, expensive. I, I mean. Yeah, it's about 70 bucks. Right. I didn't have to use a gallon, but I did it wrong, so I did. <laughs> Like if I did it, if I was, if I made a better mold or something like that, I, it would have been. I could have used probably about half that. It's, but yeah, it was an obscene amount. But it, they said it to me, and I didn't buy it, so it was like it felt weird. But I, t- I, I tell people, I'm like, that's the first thing I've ever been sent. Yeah, really, it's. I don't get you know. So I watched um, Industrial Maker today. He did. Um, uh, yeah, he did that really cool that concrete uh, erosion, that, like, glacier erosion table. I think he called it. Yeah, what a what an accidental commentary on actual events. Right. It it was absolutely gorgeous, mm-hmm. and he's mixing. Uh, the funniest part to me was he's mixing up the epoxy, and it's just gallons of epoxy. Oh and I'm god, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm just watching, going, oh my god, that's a lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you never know. Like, it never seems like you should be using that much, and then suddenly you're just you're like. Okay, I guess I have to mix up more. Yeah. Okay, I guess I have to mix up more. It's not quite there yet. I've started because I've started really getting into it. So I watch a lot of these channels, and I'm like, that looks like oh, John Malecki just did a shotgun, a, a gun shell, um, a bullet oh, shell. I saw that table. giant thing. That must have been like twenty gallons of a box. Yeah, and he's just pouring it in there, and I'm like, good god, just I'm thinking because I know like I've bought epoxy, and I know that there are mm-hmm. costs associated with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, at best, you're talking like 50 bucks a gallon for the cheapest stuff. Right. And it is cheap stuff. <laughs> well, the cheapest clear stuff, at least. Yeah. It's, it's, it, is, it is funny because you always see people you know, getting mad at makers for taking stuff from sponsors. And it's like, you do realize that your, your role as an audience member is to watch the video and take something away from it and enjoy the video. What do you care how the material gets in the hands of the person making the video? Like, what difference does that part actually make in your life? And the only thing I can think of, and this is going to be, I'll do it my Jimmy DeResta voice, I want free stuff too, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, no one sends me anything. Well, well guess what? No one sends me anything either. This is the yeah, only time. Yeah, I mean, but so what if they do? I'm but happy. That's also, you know, it's not audience. That's like two or three people. Right. It's just like that it's that thing that gets into your head when you make a video. Uh-huh. Like I've learned this from the guitar video, which is still that that thing is just going on and on. 445,000 views. It's going crazy, man. And like still every day I get like a comment on it that's like this is a piece of crap and I'm like, "Of course it's a piece of crap. Yes. I made it out of junk in 3 days, but look at that. It's like, but it is a guitar. It is inarguably a guitar. That works. <laughs> yeah, it worked. That works. I built a pickup out of garbage. Like, of course it doesn't sound as good as a guitar, a real bought guitar. The point is, <laughs> the point is you learned how to make a guitar. Not Yeah, and that, and that guy, the luthier who's commenting or doing whatever like the guitar nerd. It's like what was your first guitar made out of? A kit that you bought online that you all you had to do is screw it together? Which is fine. That's the way you want to do it. That's the way you want to do it. But don't tell me 
that I wound my own pickup the first time ever. How many blues guys in the South did a cigar box guitar as yeah. a kid? I mean, that was my that was my inspiration. It was basically I was like, if if some of the some of the greatest musicians that we've ever had in history have had to string together instruments out of whatever they had lying around. I'm like, well, I'm not better than them. What am I, you know? You think, the, look at the guys on the sub, well, the guys on the subway were a great example. The drummers that beat on five-gallon drums. The bucket drummers, yeah. yeah like, they're One amazing. of my favorite guys. I love a, those guys. There used to be a guy called Shaker Leg, <laughs> and he was really good. He had a big, like, shell shaker on one of his legs. That guy was nuts. There was a guy, I actually have a picture. It was I took it in, like, 2005. They were at Grand Central, and it was um, five of them. Um, on the concourse level for the subway of Grand Central. And it was just five guys, like big dudes, right? Huge dudes, and these buckets and sticks. And the sounds they were getting out of them, were, I was just like, I can't believe this is really like happening in front of me. Like these are just, they all have the same bucket, and they're all getting completely different sounds by picking up the bucket with their feet to allow sound to come out underneath. And some of them had just slightly different sticks. and. It's just like you want to take that away from people. I know that's amazing. I mean, what, so what if it's all right? It's a it's a guitar that's made out of reclaimed parts. But so what? Well, you know, where did again? Where did you start? Where was your first? Yeah. People just like to go online and be negative sometimes, and it's like you just gotta let them get it out and then just delete their comments. It's like, Basically, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm very careful about. I'm very careful about that. I used to be a much more negative person, and I had I had an epiphany around last summer. I was like, you know what? This is actually just making me ill, and I, I really mean that. I f- was it was starting to make me ill, where I would just be like, you know what? I don't like the person I'm being right now, and I have literally just done a complete 180, where I am just I'm just the most encouraging person now. I, if I see somebody doing cool stuff, I repost it, share it, retweet it. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because people are doing cool stuff, and I want to talk to the people that are doing cool stuff. That's great. Yeah, and it's a great, and you're doing a great job, man. I was listening to the Steve Ramsey episode, the last one, oh, cool. uh, earlier today. He he was, you know, it's funny. He was the most nervous I've been with the last two episodes <laughs> before we recorded this one, um, which was Evan and Caitlin and mm-hmm. Steve Ramsey because they all mean so much to me. Like Evan and Caitlin, I I was very much into woodworking, but I wasn't into aesthetics as much. Mm-hmm. And it was more of a like I can make something that's cool, but I would never really think about the art of making as much as I probably yeah. should have. And now I just make stuff that I enjoy making, and that seems to be what my customers are enjoying because that's the stuff I'm making that people are asking me to make for them. And st- exactly, it's that creative that creative spark that goes into things. Yeah, like, I was thinking about it today too. I think more people could could deal with exploring their inner artist, which is when you learn how to make stuff, it's great. And a lot of people are like, well, I'm not creative, so I'll just make this thing that other people make. Right. And I try to tell them, like, you are creative. You just don't – you haven't learned how to apply your brand of creativity to what you're doing. Right. You haven't figured that part out yet. That's that's actually a really good observation because what I learned from Steve Ramsey wasn't how to be creative. I didn't mm-hmm. learn that from Steve Ramsey, and I'm, I'm not – you know, it's not weird for me to say that. I learned a ton from Steve Ramsey. His course changed my life. Yeah, you, you need to learn technique from somewhere. Exactly. You, know? you have to get the technicals – at least somewhat down and you know if you're an autodidact and you can go on youtube and learn stuff that's great i mean for some people that works but sometimes i need i need the foundation to come kind of in like almost a classroom format Mm -hmm. once i get that down i'm good i'm really good i can go i can go from there but i need the basics taught to me like that's how i learned fusion 360 also i had to have the basics really just taught to me like i was in school and once i got the basics i really got good i'm pretty damn good with fusion 360 now but I think that one what I was most nervous about having those two on was the impact that they've had on my life. And how do you convey that to other people? How do you tell, you know, listener A, listener B, hey, this is Steve Ramsey, and he's really awesome, and I owe him so much for what he taught me. How do you can I don't even know how to convey that. So the best way I can do it is to just have a conversation where I let people tell everybody what they're about and what they do, you know? Yeah, and it's honestly, a great way to go about it. This is this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because I've I've told you this in the past, but I've I don't know if anyone listening has heard me say it. You're one of my inspirations because you take things that I would just not even look at, and you've kind of taught me to look at things differently, to think about you know instead of watching things get tossed, to maybe recycle them, maybe reuse them, maybe do something cool with them. 
um, I have some stuff downstairs that the last last year I went to Beacon Flea and I grabbed a whole bunch of stuff and I'm like I'm going to refurbish some of this and I'm going to sell some of this and but it was all just old rusty stuff and it was stuff that I never would have given a second look to and yeah a lot of a lot of what I um I've been thinking a lot about creativity and stuff in general because that's what I like to put forth in my videos and and like when I talk to people is that um how I'm trying to what I've been trying to do recently is try to connect how to be more creative or how to apply every human being on the planet is creative unless possibly there's a psychological disorder involved I don't know but like every human being is creative in some way it's a it's building the bridge from that creativity that you have to what you need mm -hmm. to do uh or to what you'd like to do whichever one right and uh the way I, I express it is I, I call it the thing it's basically everything is the thing you have the thing that you want to make you have the thing that you have and you have the thing that you're using to make it <laughs> and you need to you need to know the thing you have you need to look at it from every angle you need to find out what else is like that thing and then put it all together in some way and it doesn't have to be the way that you've been taught it just has to be the way that gets you to where you want to be mm. it's a weird it's still it's an, a concept in its infancy infancy right now it's a pretty good concept it's a pretty good concept you know watching I, I reference David Picciuto a lot because his evolution toward doing stuff for aesthetics mm -hmm. rather than just doing stuff for practicality has been just an eye-opener for me because it's like, yeah, yeah, David, yes, that's a yes, yes. You know, you just want to just go, yes, dude, yes, more of that. You know, when he says, you know, when he was when he's talking a lot recently about switching from, you know, doing like furniture to doing artsy projects that he's just doing because he enjoys doing them. Yeah, and he's at his best when he's doing it. Yes, that. and I've 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 literally told him that because that's one that's what I love about his new stuff is that this is you can sense when somebody is passionate about what they're doing versus when somebody is just doing something cool. You know, yeah. you can do something cool and not have any passion whatsoever about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of a lot of stuff that we see on particularly on YouTube in the makerspace you know, I always joke about the live edge hairpin leg river table. You know, yeah. they're beautiful. I'm not going to say they're not, but Jesus Christ. I mean, how many of them can you watch before at some point you just go, look, dude, I mean, I can't watch another one of these videos. I just, I can't. Yeah, that, that's a lot of people doing a thing that they want to make. They want to have that table, but they don't understand why they want that table right. or why it looks cool to them. Like it is, that is the thing that is their goal. Mm -hmm. They don't t stop and think why it's their goal. They haven't thought what about they like about it, right? And then what they don't like about it, and what they actually would like to tailor, and how they can do that, and how they can make it th their own in in any tiny weird little way. You know, it doesn't have to be a major. It doesn't have to be made out of styrofoam or something. It can right. just be like, oh, if I put the legs, if I make it a three-legged table instead of whatever, you know, anything like that. That's an interesting observation. I never thought of it that way. That people will. You know, I want to make this, but I don't know why I want to make this. And you never give it any thought, so you just make what you already saw. And if you stop for a second and say, why do I like this? Okay, well, I like the way the epoxy looks with the wood. Okay, mm -hmm. well, then you can make anything with epoxy meeting the wood. You don't have to make that table. Yeah, once you learn that about yourself, right? then you can take – this is what I was talking about, taking apart the thing. Mm-hmm into its elements and you say I like the way that epoxy looked next to that wood mm -hmm. and then you have another project or another idea and you can say you can substitute and say oh the epoxy new wood could do this mm -hmm. or if it doesn't have to be epoxy and it doesn't have to be wood what else can give me that same reaction what else would I like that can convey that same you know aesthetic but that's just that kind of is I guess the difference between being a maker and being an artist right in a way yeah the, in a way, they're not. Yeah, ex they're I, not mutually exclusive. No, they're they're, they're certainly not. Um, I just, I just, I've spent a lot of time thinking about where the where the gap lies in that, mm -hmm. and how people. Because I grew up as an artist, and I know that that part of me can be applied to aesthetic and creative endeavors easily, because that's the way we're all taught to do it. But someone who's an accountant, <laughs> or somebody who is very good at coming up with code or something like that, right? They have a creative part of their brain. It might be tailored to efficiency. It might be tailored to keeping track of data. But you can do that with woodworking. You can do that with metals. You can do that with craftsmanship. Right. Well, I tell my wife, I, you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My wife's not a maker, but she's very creative in the kitchen. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so that's your thing. And it's fine. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a maker to be a creative person. You know, yeah. you but there's also skills that you can, tr you know, from that you have in the kitchen that you can, 
bring over to 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 being a maker. You know, uh, was it mise en place, like mm-hmm. the, the the ability to set up a line of what you need to do, uh, order of of operations that you have for making things, uh, and cooking things. Perfect. Uh, timing is huge. Mm-hmm. If you can if you can be more efficient by timing things, like a, like a chef and a cook can time getting things to the table on time, mm-hmm. all hot and all ready to eat. Like that's something I'm not even. I love to cook, and I'm terrible. At that part. <laughs> that's my that's my best cooking skill. Is I I may not be the best cook. I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as my wife, and I will tell her. I'll tell anyone that. But I am very good at getting a dish. I'm getting four or five components of a dish together at the same time. I don't know why I have that ability. I just do. It was yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'll have I'll have like the stir fry part done, and I'm like ah, oh, I forgot to cook everything else. Oh shit, no chicken. <laughs> yeah, lots of people. Lots of people at my house get dinner with no sides. So, well, speaking of food, speaking of food, I would be I would be remiss. I have a request that I have to tell you that you changed our life with one of your decent snacks. Oh, jeez, which uh, one? The one with the goldfish chicken. Oh, I love that one. We make that. I'm not even joking. We make that constantly. It's one it's of our so, go-to's. It's so good. <laughs> I can I can never like convey to people how good it is. It's how amazing. much it just changes the game. It really does. It's, it's so crunchy and it's oh. so good. So we use we actually use the rock the cheddar rockets from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we make that quite often, and it, going it, high class with it. Well, you know, we are, you know, we're <laughs> we want to be hipsters in a suburban neighborhood, so we have to go with the Trader Joe's. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> can't have all the. But yeah, that was I found that recipe when I first found your um when I first found your videos, and I showed it to my wife, and she goes, "I'm making that tomorrow." I'm like, <laughs> "Wow, okay, cool." And it's, it's one of those ideas that, like, if, if you see it and you want to make it, you have to make it, like, right then because it looks so good. Yeah, it, it, I, that was, I was sitting there drooling like an animal watching you make it. So <laughs> it's I was not even – it's not – it's like it's a terribly produced video. <laughs> sure, but it, it's good food. That's all that matters. My yeah, first – I tried cooking videos once. I know how hard they are to make. Yeah, and the soundtrack to it is, like, some weird song that my friend and I wrote and recorded when we were, like, 19 or something <laughs> like that. It's really weird. Uh, yeah, and that video, that was one of my best performing videos early on. Mm-hmm. It got like a thousand views before anybody was watching my channel at all. It's a good one, man. And it's, God, it's just, it's such a good dish. <laughs> I, I, it, really, I was funny because I go, I got Keith Deason on the podcast. She goes, are you going to tell him about the goldfish chicken? I'm like, <laughs> I'll tell him about the goldfish chicken. <laughs> well, I can, I can announce here, I've actually been uh, planning on doing a cooking channel as well. No way. Not that, not that I don't have enough to do already. But oh. I've, I've, I've started to realize that with uh, having switching, I'm going more towards content creation as my, as my uh, income sources mm-hmm. and shifting that way that I need something of a diversion. Mm-hmm. But it's not too much of a diver- A diversion I can work into my already existing workflow. Sure. You know, uh, I'm not going to like take up like ballooning or something like that because it would just take too much time away from everything. But I can rip out a video pretty quick and the editing stage and that kind of stuff. So at least if I'm doing cooking sh- a cooking channel, I'm already cooking this stuff. Every, every every night of the week I'm cooking some wacky thing. Dude, this, and this is so I exciting. It, <laughs> I am good at I'm good at working while filming myself. I I've, I've learned that skill over the last 4 or 5 years doing it in the workshop. Uh, and I can edit pretty quickly considering. And so there's not much of an effort into it already. I'm already doing the three things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, why not? And plus, it'll give me a few builds for the for the other channel as well, because I'm going to build an island that I can film on. Uh, and also, apparently, I already sound exactly like Babish from Binging with Babish. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I get told like people comment in the videos, and they're like, I didn't know Babish could woodwork. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> all right. So I might as well just lean into it. Well, you do have. I mean, based on your podcast, you know, more so the podcast than the YouTube videos, because you know. With the YouTube videos, you don't focus on it, obviously, as much. But your voice, you do have a great voice for voiceover stuff. And I, I think it's going to work really well on a cooking channel. I don't know. Are you going to do voiceovers on the cooking or are you going to oh, do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to. All right. You're not going to record think. your audio live. Uh, no. No, I'll do <laughs> I don't like doing a live audio because I don't have a good microphone. Ah, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I have like the snowball thing that I use for the podcast, but I'm not going to try to drag a 90-foot USB cord into the kitchen. <laughs> Which you made one of the coolest stands for, by the way. Oh, that thing. Yeah, I didn't even use it anymore, actually, because it changed my configuration. But yeah, when I was, when I was sitting in the armchair for everything, I had the ruler thing. It was yeah. the last minute. <laughs> I, I just needed it. And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, that's... um. I, I love the idea you do in a cooking channel. I mean, do you have like do you have a particular cuisine that you're super into that you're gonna 
focus on or is it just going to be stuff that I'm I think it's just going to be whatever I want to make and then see the good thing about it is I'm not going to take it seriously like too seriously well, I wouldn't expect you to that's just not your vibe <laughs> yeah it's not and it's not my thing but also like it's it's my recreation you know so mm-hmm. I'm not there for the reputation of it I'm not there for the the prestige of being a good cook so like you're going to get a lot of like here's goldfish fried chicken and then like here's like I don't know how to heat up a slice of pizza the proper way. Like it's just stuff like that. Like I, I'm gonna, I can, so I'm, I'll be a lot looser with the with the thing. I don't have to be trying to make a blog worthy recipe every week so that I can make money off of it or something. You know. Well, so many people are, and it's really funny, particularly younger people. I mean, I'm 43, so I'm not exactly. You know, I talk about younger people like I'm, you know, whatever. But so many younger people are just inept in the kitchen, and it's like if you know if you could make something that maybe gets them to at least go into the kitchen and try something you know that that show on food network worst chefs in america worst chef in america oh my friend was on that actually no way yeah um right when it started oh god yeah yeah my that show is just it it's supposed to be entertaining i i had to stop watching it because it's just so (laughs) it's so depressing it's like you guys i i get it i get that not everyone's a great cook right but mm-hmm. there's just a basic set of skills that you kind of need for survival as an adult. And so many people just don't have them anymore. And, you know, we could tie this back to what we do as makers. There's so many basic skills as makers that we have that we take for granted, like mm-hmm. hanging a picture or, you know, changing an elect, changing like a light fixture. You know, I don't think about stuff like that. Light fixtures, switches, outlets, I just do them as I need to do them, you know. But mm-hmm. there's people that don't know how to do that stuff, and it blows my mind. Like, how did you get to be an adult again? <laughs> yeah, but then again, like, they can probably, like, pay their taxes on time and stuff. So, you, know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you might have a point there. It's like, oh, I bet that guy can pull out of his driveway without going over the curb every single time. <laughs> Wow, that that is a skill. Yeah, I, so I, I just got a I just got my first pickup truck, and sometimes it's a challenge. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, parallel parking is a nightmare now. Yeah. I just started driving one about you know just about a year ago, and it's been uh, it's been interesting when I go to the city. What do you have? Uh, Ram fifteen hundred. <laughs> okay, say no more. That's a yeah. lot bigger than my truck. Yeah, it's it's got it's, yeah it's got like the six foot bed and the back seat, so it's a whole thing. Yeah, so mine is I got a GMC Canyon. And mm-hmm. it's it's a slightly small. It's the class. If Dodge was still making it, it would be the equivalent of the Dakota. Yeah. It's it's a small. It's a slightly smaller truck, but it's still. I think it's twenty two feet long or some ridiculous number like that. Like it's yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's substantial, and you know I pull up next to some trucks like particularly Rams because that's what I. I was kind of leaning toward the Ram. But. Uh, uh, somehow everybody on the planet has a Ram now if they have a truck. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's incredible. So we were we were driving today. We were going to Woodcraft in Connecticut. And as we were leaving, we stopped in Bergen to get breakfast, and then we were heading north. And I'm like, God, there's just every every other vehicle is a pickup. And it was it was like 50-50 Rams and F-150s. Yeah. It's like, that's it. That's all that anyone has. And every once in a while, I see a Sierra, and I'm like, okay, those are my people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there you go. It's, it's funny how, like, I had a Chevy Traverse, and... I, I always joke like, oh, this thing is the biggest thing I'm ever going to drive and whatever. And then when I was at the dealership a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I sat in this and I'm like, oh, I really want this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely different. Being higher up is a whole thing. It It's awesome. You know, the hard the hardest part for me is reprogramming my brain to like when, you know, on the weekends when we do our grocery shopping. I have to really think about that now because the groceries have to go in the back seat. Yeah. And I wasn't used to that, and, you know, I had a car, and everything went in the trunk, and I don't have a trunk, and mm-hmm. I'm starting to think, like, oh, maybe I need to get one of those, like, lock boxes, but yeah. then I don't want my groceries sitting in there baking if I go to two stores, <laughs> so I, I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. Backseat, front seat. That's the only way to deal with groceries. Yeah. My tunnel, my tunnel cover broke, so I'm just like, if it rains, I just don't put anything in, in the truck. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess that's it. I'm still struggling with ratchet straps to hold down material it's just i don't know what it is i have like a mental block oh it's that they suck yeah they really are the worst thing ever somebody i i know this is one of those things where you go look you're a maker figure it out but damn it somebody's got to figure out a better mechanism for holding crap down in the bed of a pickup somebody's got to come up with a better mechanism there's got to be something better than ratchet they have um they've got those big like elastic nets now too 
Yeah, I think I'm going to get one of those just because I can just throw anything in the bed and just mm-hmm. hook over it, and yeah. that'll keep it from bouncing up out, because that's can, all I really You can hook over about. it in sections, too. I think you could just do, like, half the net if you got some groceries or something in there. You know, you don't have to do the whole thing. It's funny. I was talking about that today with, with the wife. I was like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. And I saw a system where it's got, like, two drawers and a cover, but the cover sits down just a little bit under the bed. Like, so you got about six inches of side on the bed, but you have this platform, and then under the platform is two big drawers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that would really work. But it's $1,100. Okay, fine. It's $1,100. That's not great. And I got a lease. So I was like, yeah. okay, well, I can't modify my truck at all. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. <laughs> I guess it is just going to be the back seat for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just me and my just wife. It's go not like shopping kids. More. Just go shopping more often. Oh, by the way, my podcast is called From the Ground Up. <laughs> oh, I was going to give you a chance to plug those. I, oh, all cool! I forgot about that. I just, oh I no, like, no, 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 no! I would I never forgetting? let I would never let you leave without plugging <laughs> your stuff. Which is, by the way, that's the funniest part of the whole podcast because I, you know, I don't know if you can tell, but I don't come with like a prepared list of questions. No, and you're stuff. doing this is great, and it's really weird sometimes because I have to. I don't come with questions, but I do have to keep the format in my head mm-hmm. because it's like if I could just end the conversation and call it a day, you know? It's yeah, like, right. It doesn't work that like that. doesn't make a good <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, the couple of times I've had people on my podcast, it's just like we just meander way off topic. And then I'm like, okay, i got to edit that out. But luckily it makes good Patreon content when you're just well, like, Here, here's an hour of interview that you didn't get to hear. So it's funny you say that because that's literally what I was trying. I've been trying to capture that feeling on this podcast. Because I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't always work, and fine. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I feel like letting people talk and talk about what matters to them is actually more important than me having questions in a specific format and like, okay, let's do the plug segment. What do you want to plug today? Blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's just so many podcasts out there that they get a guy on, like, they would have, you know, Steve Ramsey on, they wouldn't let him talk. It's like what? Yeah, and I, I've heard I've heard Jimmy th- the story of how Jimmy Duresta got started making probably ninety times by now. So, <laughs> you know, I like to, I do like to get so it's funny I do like to get a little bit of background, but I feel mm-hmm. like if I'm getting you on this show, I most people probably know who you are. You know, I, I mean, yeah, you never know. Yeah, I, so <laughs> I get you know enough for people to know who you are, but then I want to talk about it. I want to pick your brain. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what makes you think you can thermoform Corian. Which was freaking. <laughs> I don't know what made me think that. That was beautiful piece um, that you made, though. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was. I saw it online. I think I saw something. Someone said like just the term thermoform corian, mm-hmm. and I was like, I have to look that up. And as I was looking it up, I think was it Izzy Swan that did something like the day before, like two days before, could or be four days. I know Evan and Caitlin four, four did days. one relatively close where they did like salad forks or something. Yeah, they all did one like really yeah. close to to when I did it too. And it was all independent of each other, but mine was three-quarter inch thick. That was the issue. <laughs> they all did it with, like, quarter-inch thick Corian, which is a beauty. It's a beautiful thing to thermoform because it just kind of slumps into, like, what you want mm-hmm. it to be. And mine was just like, nope, it's just really hot, and you have to use your <laughs> knees to bend it, and now it's 400 <laughs> degrees. And you can see it in the video. I'm like, I'm using potholders between my knees to bend this Corian <laughs> onto the mold. It turned out so good, though. That it's- shelf is beautiful. Yeah, it's one of those accidentally did it the right way kind of things. You stumbled on something beautiful. That you know what else? You know, I I meant I didn't remember what it was. It was another project you did that I think I probably watched the video four or five times. With the library shelf, the secret library shelf. Oh, that thing was fun. Yeah, and I'm, I was so bummed when you auctioned it and I didn't win it. It's it's to tell you the <laughs> truth, it's still here. <laughs> no way. Um, it's Tim Sway's. Uh, the guy who won it is in England, and he said, "Just give it to Tim Sway." And I said, okay, I'll give it to Tim Sway. And Tim's like, yeah, you know, one of these days we'll hang out. You can just give it to me. And you know how that goes. (laughs) Tim's a a busy guy. We live an hour and 20 minutes away from each other. And, you know, I've been to his place once. (laughs) Well, I do believe that um, I did tell you that once surgery and all this other shit was over with, that you and I would have a drink together. So that's got to be coming up soon. Yeah. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. I I knew I was going to enjoy talking to you. Because I think you and I have, you know, as far as making and art and all this, I think we do have very similar outlooks and a similar feel for the space. And we don't make the same stuff, but I think we do have a a similar outlook on things. I I mean, if I was making the same stuff as anybody else, my entire mission would be in the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of what I do is set out to make things that people aren't making or hadn't thought of or, or wouldn't make. 
like giant ice cream sandwich lights, you know, stuff like that. That is, <laughs> I love that thing. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm kind of sad that it didn't sell, but That's, I'm. It's, it's I'm right glad here. that it's in your house. <laughs> yeah, it's literally. I keep it right above my couch, right next to me, right now. And it's. It is a. It is just. Be- it was beautiful. I mean, we smiled the whole time. A lot of the things you do. Like, I find myself just smiling, going, that's just beautiful. Like, the twin waterfall bench, which you photographed by the, by the waterfall, by the way, which was really cool. Yeah, clever. the waterfall that inspired it, pretty much, yeah. Um, I just, I'm, I'm scrolling through your projects now, and I'm just smiling, because I remember every one of these videos. And when I first found your videos, I actually went back, and I've talked about this all the time, but I like to go back and binge watch. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. just sitting there, just watching you make stuff. Just, I, like your, I like your vibe. I like your artistic sensibilities. I like your go get it and turn something beat up and old into something new and beautiful. And it's just, it's fabulous that you've been able to have some success doing it. And Thank you. I wish you all the success and I hope that your YouTube channel and your podcast keep growing. And I hope the new YouTube channel for cooking, which <laughs> once you it's, do launch it, we come back on, we'll talk about, we'll talk all about food. Cause I can sure. talk about food forever. Um, yeah. It's going to be what it is. I'm not cons- I won't be concerned with that one at all. I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, Plugging just, it won't hurt. <laughs> oh yeah, I just, I'll just do what I want to do on there. It's, it's pretty I'm, much your vibe. <laughs> yeah, <Thanks>. pretty much. <laughs> I love it. Um, is there anything I'm so? I'll I'll put links to your podcast and your YouTube channel and your website. Is there anything else you want to link to or have me link to? And don't worry, guys, I will have this all in the show notes so you don't have to write it down right now. Is there anything else you want me to grab or? Uh, no, nah, pretty much does it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm Keith Decent on everything. So yeah, you're easy to find. I like yeah. that. <laughs> you can follow me on TikTok with all the kids that dance their weird songs, and I'm just and, I, and I'm on there making epoxy river swords that, that nobody cares about. Isn't it great? Is it, you know it's so funny because it's like oh, there's a new platform, and you go on the platform, and it's like oh, it's all karaoke videos. Well, yeah. this is not for me. I was doing great, and then I posted a a, a video of a piece of art that had a, a ding dong in it, and I got like hit oh. with something, and then 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 they just stopped showing everything I posted to anybody. Oh Jesus! Which is whatever. <laughs> it's oh. like okay. Well, I guess this platform's dead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's uh, the next one? What's next? <laughs> it, really, I feel like that's the next. That's what's going to be for you know for makers. It's going to be figuring out because YouTube is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. But the next crop of makers, I don't think, is going to be YouTube. I really don't. I think Instagram for makers is probably more important than YouTube. Yeah, you can tell Instagram's getting uh, more important because they show your stuff to less and less people now. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. It is it is weird and it's funny how I follow I'm following about four hundred and twenty people on mm-hmm. Instagram and I think I see posts from about ten people in my feed. Oh yeah, I I, I follow like seven hundred and just yesterday I liked one person's post and then as I scroll through the feed, like seven more of their posts pop oh, up yeah. and I'm like, I'm following more people than just this one person, I swear. Their algorithm is so broken. And when you add someone, oh, my God, the day you add someone. Oh, you see everything it. from them. Yeah. That's it. You see their whole, you, you know. <laughs> you, I always like when I look at someone's story because I have a couple of these people that, like, thank people when they do those like bombs. Oh, yeah. And I it's like, why are you thanking them? <laughs> You're just all they saw for, like, a day. That's the only reason they liked all your crap, dude. Yeah, pretty <laughs> they much. Didn't, they didn't organically end up liking all your videos. I promise you. <laughs> Yeah, those I get a lot of those, and I, I think of it one of two ways. Either they really like what I'm doing, which is cool, and I don't need to thank them for that. I, I'm appreciative of it, but they're just they like stuff, or they're doing it because they want me to mention them <laughs> in which, a story or you know, something. Which you know, I'm it, I'm not gonna do that for you. It is it is funny. It is funny how um, people do kind of seek out likes that way. Yeah, uh, like, people seek out likes any way they can. Be, a lot of the time, because that's the name of the game yeah. for most people is trying to figure out. How to get how to get people how to get eyeballs on what you're doing, which well, the, is the other really thing difficult with Instagram in particular is the follow unfollow. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, they follow stuff, you yeah. and it's like, oh yeah, cool, I'll follow because I'm you know I'm one of those guys like, oh you follow you make interesting stuff, I'll follow you too. And then mm-hmm. two two days later they unfollow you. And I actually have an app that does my analytics for Instagram. And it's like, oh cool, they unfollowed me. I don't have to stay. Good goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. that's good. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I just don't follow for follow. <laughs> it's like if I like what they're doing. Even if they unfollow me afterwards, I still follow them. Oh, yeah. I follow a ton of people that don't follow me. In fact, it looks like I follow the same number of people that follow me. I do. But most of the people I'm following are not people that are ever going to follow me. I I understand this, and I'm realistic about it. Yeah. I was following this one guy, furniture maker from Japan, for a year, I think. Um, And he's like, all his posts are in Japanese, but he was doing a really cool wood bending technique, and I was like, I'm in. 
and uh, I think he just I've been liking like every picture of his for like a year <laughs> and like oh it's a couple weeks ago he just followed me back and I was like oh yeah look at that look at that yeah yeah it's like you're that's like yeah those I mean look for someone that's not super popular to have someone that likes you follow back there is value to that it's not just a matter of I want to get the likes you know it's almost like validation and you know as as much as we like to talk about how we're too cool for validation validation's kind of important yeah it's about people you respect also I mean it's it's a big thing it's not just hero worship it's like you respect this person and you've grown to know that they're an Mm -hmm. authority to you at least based on Mm -hmm. what they do and their taste and their abilities and when you see a reflection of that appreciation for what you're doing back from them that's a that's a big thing it is it's like you know i know jimmy following me doesn't mean that jimmy likes everything i do but the fact that he clicked follow on my profile the fact that he went to my profile and clicked follow that means the world to me he may never look at another post he may never see anything (laughs) and that's cool you know what whatever but the fact that he followed it actually does mean something to me yeah just wait till he comments on one of them Oh, my God, forget it. I don't think I can handle it. I might stroke out right then and there. I do have one more question. I do have one more question. I always ask everyone this question because it's an important question. What represents fulfillment for Keith Decent? (laughs) Well, I don't ask everybody what represents fulfillment for Keith Decent. (laughs) I was about to say, that would be a weird question. (laughs) Steve Ramsey. (laughs) Steve Steve Ramsey's like, who? Who? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I honestly don't know. Uh, I, I don't think I've experienced fulfillment in in the way that I'd be satisfied with now okay. at, up to this point, really. So I don't really know. Cool. I yeah, like it. It's uh, I just, Open-ended. I guess being able to continue exploring what, what represents fulfillment to me would be pretty fulfilling. That's, that's wow. I think galaxy brains around the world just <laughs> blew up. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we're going to, I think we're going to close it out there then. Um, I'll have everything that Keith mentioned in the show notes, um, all the, the podcast, which, again, is an excellent podcast, his YouTube channel, which is one of my favorites and it's been one of my favorites for a very long time. Um, I think that just about covers it. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate that you take time out of, you've taken time out of your Saturday evening to talk to me on a podcast that very few people listen to. <laughs> well, you better be. I had to turn the air conditioner off. I'm dying over here. It's really funny because I bef- two hours before we started recording, I came in here, I turned the air conditioner all the way up and turned it on because I knew <laughs> that once we started recording, I had to turn it off again. Yeah, I just sat, I sit right next to it. So I just put it on max for like a minute <laughs> right, before, <laughs> right before we started. Get, yeah. get your chill on. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it, guys. Um, if you like the show, if it's been shared with you and you didn't actually come to the feed on your own, you can find the show at becausewemake.com or at vincentmferrari.com slash podcast. Um, you can share the show. I would love for more reviews on iTunes if you enjoy what I'm doing here. If you feel like you want to support it financially, I don't know why you would. I'd rather have you, the yeah, reviews. I know why they would. It's a great show. You Thank should support you. it financially, everybody. Oh, well, I'm going to turn that into an ad for the next podcast. Um, thank you for listening, though. And again, share the show, do review, maybe leave a voice message. We have a link in the show notes for that. Uh, that's going to do it. We will have a guest again next week, I promise. I promise there will be another episode next week. And until then, have a great week, everybody. Bye.